Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to another edition of Drafting the Circus on the Hoobazoo Radio Network. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour or more as we roll over all of the news from an exciting weekend of racing. Before we get into that, I want to introduce you to the panel we have assembled tonight. Uh, first and foremost, as always, my man Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing is with me. Gray, how are you tonight? Hello, hello. How's everyone tonight? Excellent. Also, uh, Seth Eggert, NASCAR correspondent for Motorsports Tribune, is in the house as well. Seth, great to talk to you again tonight. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Good to have you here. Richard Uden, back again. Richard from Richard Childress Racing, also Formula One engineer in his past days before he moved to the country where snakes take out the power, evidently. But, uh, Richard, good to have you here tonight again. Uh, you know, despite the uh, 
technical issues uh, where you're at. Uh, how you doing tonight, Richard? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. If I uh, if I do disappear or uh, the uh, the signal goes down, I, I do apologize. But that's the uh, joy of living in the country. I- All right, we'll keep that in mind. And uh, on the show for the first time, I want to introduce you to uh, Mr. Frank Linker, who runs the uh, IndyCar. I'm sorry, the Indy Sports Car Podcast, which you can find on Podbean and also on iTunes, and uh, they've also got a Facebook page. So, Frank, welcome to the show. Good to have you here tonight uh, for the first time. How are you? Oh, Frank, thanks for having me, man. Really uh, happy to be here with, with, with you guys. Talk man. some racing. And again, thanks for coming on. So we had a pretty big weekend of racing. We had uh, one guy uh, win his 65th race or his 56th race. One guy win his 31st race. Then we had another guy win his first race. Uh, pretty exciting weekend of racing but uh let's let's start off with uh where the racing weekend started off uh, at texas um with the indycar series for the um the, what was it called the rain guard water sealers 600 um pretty fitting that we have a uh, rain guard water sealers after all the rain we've seen of that track on and off but uh texas, why i'm laughing <laughs> why am i laughing yeah no texas, that's why i'm laughing yeah you know, texas, texas motor speedway um spent uh, a number of millions of dollars um, repaving that track and putting in a French drainage system, much like they did in Kentucky last year. Um, and they did get a first test of it uh, on Friday uh, when they had some rains come down, and it turned out they were able to dry the track, the track pretty well. The weather cooperated for the rest of the weekend, and we saw a frenetic race. Um, with the Indy cars there, side by side, um, you know, I, I want to say Tristan Vautier, who was uh, pressed into service in the coin car, kind of set the tone early on. Um, here's a guy who's looking for a full-time ride, gets the opportunity, wants to make the most of it, and and he just tried to make that uh, high line work early in the race. I mean, in the first couple laps, he's up there trying to wrestle that leader away from Charlie Kimball. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of a frenetic race that we saw guys side by side, uh, proving again and again that you can't take three, you can't go three wide when there's about one and three quarter lanes. Um, at the end of the day, I believe there were only nine cars surviving only six on the lead lap. Willpower takes the win. Um, but a lot of uh, a lot of really hot heads after this. A lot of uh, uh, reactions, um, you know, back and forth from uh, from the adorable to the bullshit um, uh, reactions that we got. So, uh, Frank, you're doing the show. I want to turn it over to you. I mean, what are your what are your what are some of your thoughts coming out of this wild Texas weekend? Uh, where where to begin? Um... I would say Voltier qualifying P5 from uh, what two years ago being in the uh, in, uh, Indy 500, just qualifying for the Indy 500, mind you, and he wasn't even racing in it. And then he gets a seat in it there, hasn't raced since, and then comes back and goes, you know, qualifies P5, and then he was setting the, the you know setting the pace for the beginning of the race there, looking great, and then settled in, and then uh, yeah, then Tony Kanaan hits a uh, hinch and. That was the first incident of many to come. <laughs> so, uh, and then I, I wanna, guess I want to say that the first was probably uh, Tony and um, Scott uh, making a sandwich out of uh, Rossi. 
Oh, you know what? Like Rossi's crash is almost like the forgotten one because of everything else that happened. Yeah, like, yeah, it was nuts. And, yeah, the entire race is like one big blurred crash in my head. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, uh, you know, we were, you know, we did a show right afterwards, and we all said like we were like just floored, like. Tony Kanaan, he was at, he involved in pretty much everything. We went back and looked at it, at it all, and even with Elio's uh, uh, tire uh, uh, going you know, going down with all the blistering, Tony was kind of right there, but he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I mean that that race was a. Uh, I think it took a lot of people by surprise. That you know, a lot of people didn't think it was going to be a pack race, and it turned out to be a huge twenty-two car pack race. And it whittled it down as the laps went on, but um, yeah, and I think so many restarts didn't help either. No, you know, it, it, in some regards, it was almost like a, a a NASCAR restrictor plate race in that you had two lanes that ran side by side most of the night, and it seemed that no the that when, once they got to the front line, nobody really could clear the leader. They would run side by side, but nobody could really move it. Almost similar to to an Xfinity race, several Xfinity races they've had have had lately, where all the cars are typically running the same speed, and yep. it was it was just hard to clear. I mean, it, it was exciting because it was a lot of wheel to wheel racing, but it was not where you know uh, the the this guy running second could pull alongside either on the outside or the inside, but nobody could really clear. And, and get kind of a file up, up front for, but I thought it was an interesting race. It just, uh, and I, and I guess it kind of led to, you know, um, the, they're working in that second groove in pretty quickly. Uh, that was something that we, they were concerned about in the beginning, uh, the tire issues that, that, that reared up, uh, with the, with the blistering, but I thought the second lane did come in rather quick and it made for, made for an exciting show. Uh, I mean, I, I, it, it kept you on the edge of your seat when you were watching. It's unfortunate that uh, that we had so many crashes and only, I guess, less than 10 cars uh, finished the show. Yeah, I mean, it was very reminiscent of uh, Fontana in 2015, to be honest. Like, that's, that's what I kept feeling. Like, I, I, I had the same, that same feeling back again, you know? I don't yeah. know about you guys. Yeah, it was a little bit like Fontana, but the only thing about it that, that, that it was like Fontana you had guys that you could throw the you could throw a blanket over the top twelve at Fontana, and guys that were running twelfth could be running in the lead in in a matter of a couple of laps. That was like a Talladega uh, Cup race, the, the the one at Fontana. Uh, that, that was one. That's the to me that's the single best IndyCar race I believe I've ever seen. It's a shame that it was only a few of us that saw it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're not. Yeah, uh, I, I hear that all the time. You know, everybody references that exact race as like most exciting race they've ever seen. It's just these cars really aren't supposed to do that. Like, you know, like when we call, talk about pack racing, IndyCar, you want you want low downforce because you, you you don't want them. You know, hundred percent of the time, pedal to the floor, and they're just steering a wheel around. You don't want that because then you get the entire field in a pack. You know, you want like. I don't know, five or six packs of like three or four cars spread on them out a little bit. And then, and then that's what you really are trying to aim for. You want them to try to drive the cars. You want them to lift a bit. Of it. You want them to downshift a little bit. You want them uh-huh. to drive the cars. You don't want them to be flat out the whole sure. time. Yeah. Indy's a part, Indianapolis is a perfect example of what you just said, where mm-hmm. they'll kind of, sh- 
they'll string out. They'll be and guys can make moves from from say fifth or sixth place in in, in several laps. Advance through that pack to the lead or th- through through the game. And they run close enough to where they, you're right. It's not uh, it's not conducive to 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 IndyCar racing. It, it it looks good on TV and looks exciting, but until. I mean, yeah. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Until until somebody touches one another, they rub, and then, then, then you've got total chaos. Yeah. yeah. Until the big one, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, we saw, you know, how many, how many, you know, estimated, what, $1.8 million in damage just for cars alone? Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's... Uh, you know, we, we've talked about the uh, IndyCar budgets being, you know, much less than what they are in Formula One or, or even in NASCAR. But uh, for a lot of these guys, you know, Dale Coyne in particular, who's had a, you know, he, oh. he he's had a he's had a season that started out so well, with he had all these high hopes for the season, hired him a top driver, championship caliber driver in Sebastian Bourdais, uh hired a championship caliber um, engineer in Craig Hampson. Um, just to get away from the, 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 the rotating driver every week and the pay driver um, threw a bunch of money at his budget that he didn't necessarily want to, but he was hoping to see the dividends. And now, poor old Dale, Dale Coyne's season has yeah, turned, I mean, turned to oof. dust. You know, he's like, uh, now he's back to rotating drivers. Now he's probably going to be looking for a big-time pay driver in the, in the form of uh, Gutierrez who can – Maybe help pay the bill for those uh, <laughs> for the busted up cars, um, but th- these guys' season started so bright, and now it's just boom. You know, feel bad yeah, for bad for the coin team, and um, even 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 so, you know, Vautier was put in the Bordet's car, and he he looked really solid at the beginning of the race, but then he gets mixed up behind. Uh, where he doesn't want to be behind the eight car melee, and and both coin cars are taken out, both both Schmidt cars are taken out, both Carpenter cars are taken out. Man, what a mess! Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a costly it was a costly night, and you know that brings me to another thing, uh, to another topic uh, from that from the race is, and I'm, I'm sure all of you've read Rob, uh, Robin Miller's uh, uh, comments about the race and talking. Basically, about the uh, the purse structure yeah, that yeah. comes comes to mind at uh, at Indy. You know, we, we have we have sent all year long, and we have built up IndyCar racing, and we, you know we have enjoyed it, and we thought Indy great strides. You know, and then all of a sudden we have a we have a race like Texas, and it kind of is a setback 
to some degree for IndyCar racing, and it, was, <laughs> and, and it exposed that kind of undercurrent uh, in the IndyCar garage. Frank, what's your uh, what's your take on that? Um, actually, I I, I kind of disagree with you. This is the perfect example of why the new car next year uh, is so vital that it's coming next year. <laughs> Pretty well, much, I, mean, I agree. I agree with that. I'm I'm looking forward to that. But I'm just thinking about some of the some of the some of the things that are, that are going on, on on the undercurrent, like you know, of course, the purse and some of the uh, some of the dissatisfaction with the with the crews over over the schedule. Well, I'm in on the purse thing, okay? Uh, you know, Robin Miller is talking about just the prize money for the race, okay? What he doesn't mention in his article is the what they call the leader circle money that uh, is paid to all the teams over the course of the year. So, I mean, for him to say, yeah, Graham Rahel got a ham sandwich, a handshake, it's not exactly accurate. It's not exactly because these guys are getting some money. Not they're not getting paid like they should. They're not getting paid like guys in the NBA or guys in the NFL. But but the the prize payout from the race is not what's going you know funneling directly into the budget. Not what's going directly in you know in, into their pocket. There, there's other there that is just not shown on the graphic that Miller wants to show. And you know, and, and Robin Miller love him to death years. Um, but he, um, you know, he, he makes his point, but he's not, telling, he's not telling you the whole story. He picks and chooses what he says. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> but we love Robin Coven. He, he's pretty much talking clickbait, really, <laughs> but he is awesome though. Come That's on. funny. <laughs> but, no, uh, no. but just looking back at the race, you know, it was this sort of frenetic race, which, you know, sometimes IndyCar and ovals hasn't been, and I think it says a lot for how it was developed and matured that if there is a, you know, a, for want of a better word, a crash fest like you saw at the weekend, you know, if Will Power would have been right in the middle of that, and he would have been the one, you oh, know, yeah. probably instigating some of those wrecks. But he stayed out of trouble, and he did the business. And uh, for somebody that was only a few years ago, you know, considered a, a road course specialist and was never going to win an oval race and all these sort of, uh, you know, claims about him. He's, he's matured a lot and he did the business uh, last weekend and he stayed out of trouble and it was a very sensible and very mature drive. And and the great thing about Will is, you know, after the race, um, post-race presser, he said in the whole bullshit article, Will said, uh, you know, <laughs> in, in the media room. So, uh, you know, Will's been preaching that same, you know, thing for like the last two years, you know. They need to take less downforce off. They need to take less downforce off. They need to let us drive the cars, you know. You know, yeah. not just ride the, in the cars, drive the cars, you know. that's He's been preaching that forever, but uh, it's about time somebody starts listening, I think, because this race was a direct result of that. I mean, Phoenix yeah. was almost a direct result of that, too. It just wasn't as bad as this. <clears throat> well, at Phoenix, they headed the other way. The cars couldn't get close to one another, you know. Yeah, they so, were all going the same exact speed because they were all 100% throttled out, you know, because they had too much downforce. I mean, like, and uh, Sebastian said something really interesting with this, it, you know, type car that you peel everything off of it. The bodywork itself, it's still producing so much downforce that they still can't get away from the downforce thing. So that's why, you know, that's why I said, you know, the new car is needed so much because the new car coming out next year 
with the uh, arrow, you know the arrow kit that's going to be on it, they can't. They're going to be able to take away a lot more downforce than they're able to now with the current car. And while we're talking about the new car, I just want to mention that uh, IndyCar has announced who has who is going to be the test drivers for the new car, and that's uh, none other than Juan Pablo Montoya and uh. Oriol Servia. So you've got two. What they wanted was two uh, uh, current but not active drivers. So you've got you've got a couple of uh, pretty hot shoes there testing the car. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of back when uh, it was Dan Weldon who tested a DW12 the first time. So um, I mean, good or bad, I don't know. But I think uh, to get these uh, the guys that are not focused on week in and week out and just be able to take an objective look at the car. Um, I think it's a good thing. Agree, disagree? Yeah, I agree. All right. Anyone else? <laughs> I guess everyone else disagrees, I suppose. <laughs> no, I think I think it does help that you you know you have somebody that, you know, knows to put it one way, you know, knows what they're talking about. I mean the both of those guys been there, done that you know, okay. got the T-shirt sort of thing, and uh, you know they'll, they can say it's great. They can say it's terrible. There's no, there's no sort of implication on them. Uh, you know, they're uh, they're not paid to say the car's great. So uh, hopefully that they know enough about what's needed and how the racing works um, to to be able to give some positive feedback and uh, you know produce a car that uh, that works on every type of circuit. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I would say Oriol Servia's uh, input on road and street courses would be like r- very valuable, and JPM's uh, input on the, uh, you know, the speedway uh, setups and all uh, would be really valuable. I think, I think that's probably how they're going to do it. Because I can't think you get many series that that cover such a, a wide variety of tracks. Really, I mean, I know Cup cars go to two road courses a year, but I mean, in some ways, that's just a a token gesture, something really. I mean, they take a, you know, they, they pretty much take a, a short track or interim car and make it work on a on a road course. And Formula One, you know, yeah, you have you know places like Monza and and Azerbaijan this weekend that are sorry next weekend that are that are pretty fast, but they're still much of a much just you know these Indy cars have such a, a wide variety of circuit they have to go to. It's, it's pretty unique in that term. So there's a lot of bases that need to be covered with one basic chassis design. Yeah, and um, you know, a lot of people are kind of complaining that you know it's not a new chassis per se, but I mean, the DW12 has proven time and time again that the tub itself is extremely safe. You know, so I have no problem with them using the DW12. Uh, you know, just to put new. Uh, new bodywork all over it and make it look a lot better than what it does now. Because, I mean, honestly, like, when I think IndyCar rate at this moment, uh, the Indy Lights car pops in my head first, to be honest with you. Uh, the IL-15, I think, is a beautiful formula car. Uh, and not for nothing, but the new car coming out next year, it looks a lot like the IL-15, don't it? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm happy about it. I mean, it looks good, and they're going to be able to do a lot, a lot more with it, I think. And it's going to entice more engine manufacturers to come in. I mean, Lambo was about to sign, but they walked away the last minute. But there's two engine manufacturers that are right on the cusp of signing. I got an idea what the, who the other one is. No one's confirmed it or anything. But, I mean, if I had to say who it is, I think it's Mazda. It only makes sense because Mazda mm-hmm. has the Mazda Road to Indy. They're there. It just makes sense to bring them over into IndyCar because 
you know, they're already accustomed to it. I mean, uh, all, all the, all, you know, the future of IndyCar are racing in Mazda's right now. So that makes sense. So, um, it's not like, uh, Mazda will have a huge hurdle to climb and they'll be way behind the eight ball with Chevy and Honda having five, six years and millions of dollars of research and development uh, ahead of them. Right. So, I mean, you know, they'll still have some growing pains, but, um, bringing in somebody like Lambo who has like absolutely no, you know, open wheel, anything and just to come in just doesn't make any sense and i can see why they walked away but um i'm hoping you know another uh you know at least two more engine manufacturers for next year so you know looking at like four engine manufacturers and that kind of takes the spec word away a little bit you know because i know a lot of people hate that word and hear that word and they run but you have four engines in it and it's like well it's not really spec anymore is it guys you know i mean but we're not back in the 90s where you have, like, you know, <laughs> five different chassis either. But, uh, you know, um, you know, baby stuff pretty much right now. And uh, that's what they got to do. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, because IndyCar, you figure, you look, if you look at the schedule, and we touched on the schedule a little bit earlier, um, this is the first time we've had a concrete schedule for the next two to three years that we know what it's going to be. I mean, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And it's the first time in 20 some years that tracks are re-signing for multiple years before the events even starting. So that's good, you know, and, uh, you know, I speak from experience from being at uh, all these races from, you know, the last four years, five years. And, you know, the attention is growing and everything. The, the, the TV ratings are climbing a bit at a time here and there, but they got to uh, they got to nail down, uh, you know, they got to nail down a TV uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, a, uh, I'm blanking on the word, but whatever. Yeah. One contract. Yes. Thank you. I'm sorry. Sometimes yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. But they need to nail down a TV contract with one network so they can dedicate uh, a larger budget to IndyCar to provide. Cause I mean, we saw the ABC coverage. I mean, how many green flag starts in the Indy 500 were there where nobody said a word? It's insanity. You know, people were going on to Twitter to find out what was going on in the race mode, and they were listening to ABC. So that just goes to show you. I mean, like, uh, you know, NBC is far and beyond better than ABC, but it could be so much better. And I think if we just had one network that did the entire season, you know, that's another step that IndyCar needs to take to, to start securing and making the series more uh, just, you know, solid feeling, you know, because right now, I mean, it feels a lot more solid than it, it has in the past, but it, we still have, 
some ways to go, you know, but they're in the right direction. And Jay Fry is a great guy to, to bring us there, you know? So I'm, I'm happy with the progress. Yeah. I think one of the things as well that would help them and looking at it from a, a European perspective, you know, there is a bit, you know, it does have a relatively large following in Europe, you know, there's a lot of, you know, X Formula One drivers coming over to Europe and, oh, sorry, go, coming up, leaving Europe and going over to IndyCar and, of course, the sort of Fernando Alonso effect we saw through the Indy 500. Oh, yeah. And, I'm, I'm... you know, if you can get, in England, for example, Sky TV shows all the F1 races and they have a dedicated Sky F1 channel. Now, if IndyCar could get a deal with Sky and get on that channel, or get on a more because at the moment it's one of these premium pay-per-view channels which you know probably only 10% of the population has but if they can get a deal that gets it on the free-to-air channels or on with Sky F1 that'd be huge for them because there is a big audience out there in Europe that follows IndyCar and oh, yeah. uh, you know I think it's just a uh, you know when there's not an F1 race people can watch an IndyCar race and and that's that's great for the sport and if they can they can encourage that uh, that audience i think there'd be a you know a, a big bonus there to them yeah yeah you're you're 100% right i mean following our analytics of our show and our downloads and where they come from i would say 35% of all of our downloads are from europe and asia right now well, so. is it is it is it time for uh any car to uh to to race again in the uk yeah it's time uh, for IndyCar yeah. to go abroad yep Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I went, oh, I'm trying to remember when it was, 2002, 2003, maybe, at Brands Hatch. I think it was Bourdais first win. Yep, yep, that, um, was, that was the old Champ Car series, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, Paul Tracy was winning and his engine blew. Uh, but that was great. I mean, it was like, you know, back then, you know, a Formula One, the British Grand Prix, the tickets were like £150 then, so what, $200? You know, grandstand prime seats for the uh, for that race were like thirty pounds, so fifty dollars, and it was packed. It was you know you couldn't move, and it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was good, entertaining racing, and I think you probably wouldn't want to go to Brands Hatch. And maybe with the new, uh, I knew the in the past with Bernie's uh, control of Formula One, they would never have been able to go to Silverstone. But maybe now with Liberty in there, that maybe relaxed a little bit more, and they could get to. Um, you know, they could get to Silverstone. I mean, heck, why not have a double header race? You know, really impose IndyCar on the Formula One audience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, that, that's interesting to talk about, but uh, yeah, but does does IndyCar want to really play, you know, uh, you know, Formula One lights to uh, Formula One? Do they? I don't know. I, th- th- this well, conversation came up before, and this is, uh, you know, th- there was a time in IndyCar years ago during the split where <laughs> the truck races, truck races would outdraw the, the IndyCar races on some of the uh, Nazareth and places like that. So I think IndyCar is in a position where they are building and building, but I don't think they need to go to Europe and play second fiddle to Formula One. I think they need to go up and and be the headliner. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm saying if they did a standalone event, exactly, it, exactly, yeah, that's what well, I'm yeah. Saying. yeah, we're not talking about a support uh, support race. It'd be a standalone event. Uh, they mm-hmm. could schedule it when. Uh, I mean, obviously, you could you could schedule it at a point in the season, even when uh, when the uh, Formula One teams were on their summer break. 
or uh, you could do it when they were off on uh, a flyaway, uh, one of those flyaway uh, sections of the schedule. Something when there's left, when there's a void for racing in, in Europe and in the UK, that'd be the perfect time to step in. Yeah, I just think it helps if you have that link to draw people in. Like you saw with the Indy 500, you know, Alonso drew the European audience. If you have, you know, and maybe this is where, you know, there could be a bit of an agreement. Maybe they get, you know, with the Honda. I mean, I know the Honda and McLaren relationship isn't exactly uh, thriving at the moment, but <laughs> that's an understatement, really. Yeah, but, you know, if, oh, yeah, say the least, yeah. But that's a, if there is that's some another sort of story link. for another day. Yeah, where, you know. That's a whole show right could, there. <laughs> they could get, you know, a, a maybe an Alonso-style F1 driver into an IndyCar race over in Europe. Something to, to tie it in. I think that, you know, as a standalone, yeah. it would be successful. But maybe if it has that link yeah. or it, it has something that drags pe- you know, that draws people who maybe wouldn't watch it in, I think that would help them. It still, it needs, the carrot would help help expand it. Yeah. Yeah. This is what is probably going to happen. Um, next year, um, you know, like I said, uh, I've been, I've always been saying, don't try to go abroad until you shore up your schedule on this plot of land here in between the land and the Pacific, right? Uh, we've done that now. Now it's time to go abroad. They're looking at four different tracks. The most pop, the most possible, possible track that is going to happen. Um, uh, I, I read a lot of David Moore for motorsport and uh, uh pueblo mexico uh, mexico city is about it's about an hour south of mexico city it's an oval actually and it's uh it's run, it's run backwards <laughs> which is interesting uh and that's probably going to happen by next year and it's going to fall in between saint pete and um uh, uh long beach i think so um somewhere around there so uh that's probably the most likely track that uh, is going to be the first abroad race for IndyCar coming up. Do you think Honda would want to go back to Japan? Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, like, we've uh, talked about Mexico. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's Suzuka. Fuji. I mean, that's a a Toyota-owned track, but I'm sure, you know. Dream. um, That would be an awesome track to see the IndyCars going down that front stretch. I mean, that would be... uh, yeah, that's an that's, that's well Suzuka yeah. too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean that yeah. is a Honda owned facility, so that would uh, if there was any anywhere it was going to happen, it could be there. Yeah, you know, well, particularly, have a, have a particularly, particularly with Takuma Sato having won the Indy Five Hundred. Oh yeah, um, and he's become a, a hero yeah. in Japan. Um, mm. uh, you know, mind you, his little mistake in Texas hitting the grass there. Um, has, he, has, he, has, he was pressed has, down, Frank. He was pressed down. He was. Uh, you know what? You know, I, I, I'll tell you what. All the other moves were bonehead moves at Texas, except for Takuma's, because Takuma's was for the race win. Takuma, t- Takuma's move was for the race win. He hit the grass, took out Dixon and Chilton, and I think he picked up one of the Carpenter cars in the, in the process. But that was for the race win. But Takuma, you know, for for all, all all the nonsense in that race, he was pretty calm until it came down to like four to go. And then, he, and then he's like, "I'm gonna win. No attack. <laughs> we just go. No no attack. No uh, no result. Right." And yep. now, and now, Frank, you know how you're talking about that like group of 
five, six cars that were racing there for the race win, and you had Dixon and, and Powell going for it for the race win, right? Yes, and I think Takuma was the fastest of all of those guys. I agree with you. I mean, he was. He, I mean, he was really making some headway. And uh, but you know, uh, next year with the new car, we're going to be able to see that, but with the entire field. You know, what I mean, we're going to be seeing pockets of cars like that throughout the track with with this new car and that's what we're aiming for that's what sebastian was is was getting that people really lost in translation what he said because he said so much other shit but what he was really well, getting yeah at, he, like, he he peppered his uh, interview with profanity but um, well yeah i mean look i've been around uh, Tri- yeah I've, i was around tristan pocono and uh graham uh threw him under the bus pretty bad and he actually didn't take him out <laughs> but nevertheless graham really gave you know oh boy did he throw him under the bus on the tv so i was with tristan after the race and the french can curse you out like painting a <laughs> portrait of like the mona lisa it's a beautiful like tristan had graham so mad because he's cursing at him in English and French, like I was blown away. I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> I was just stunned what I was saying. I mean, this little little French guy, you know, Graham's a tall dude, man. You know, Tristan's fearless though. <laughs> That's my boy right there. Though. Now, now, Frank, but, Frank, Frank, while I got you here, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on Tristan? Because like a lot of people heaped a ton of praise on Tristan for trying to wrestle that leader right away from Charlie Kimball early in the race. As far as I'm concerned, the team asked him to say, like, you know, calm down, dial it back. It's it's a 600 kilometer race, you know, um, and and he refused to do that. Uh, it, does that endear him? Actually, does, think does, about does that endear yes. him to a prospective employer or or not? Well, I mean, think about it, Frank. He actually did calm down and dial it back, and that's kind of what made him get collected up. I mean, if he didn't dial it back, he would have been in the front. He wouldn't have got collected up. Yeah, I mean, and you got to remember that he's up there. He's auditioning for a full-time ride, too. Yeah. So he was, he was, he was going to, I mean, that, that was his, that was his stage. He had to get it done. And uh, I thought he, I tell you what, when he was racing in the very, when he drove from fifth to the lead early in the race, that was, that was, that was some of the best, best racing uh, of the night early on. It really was like you know him and yeah him and Kimball you know Kimball's uh, keeping the low line Tristan's making the, the you know the top line work and and when you're doing that you know your car's pretty much hooked up already so he already had a really great car right off the bat so you just you know you just work on it tweak it make it better Tristan or Tristan Tristan had the car to pretty much uh, you know Tristan had had the car to really you know challenge uh, for 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 the win if. Uh, if he wasn't taken out, I really do believe it. I mean, then, I mean, his team's telling him, dial it back, dial it back. We got another 200-some laps or so, Tristan, you know. And he he does dial it back, and uh, he gets collected up. So, I mean, I think, you know, and, and Tristan's got that, you know, he, you know he's got that, uh, you know, just uh, he's got that aggressive nature to him, you know. And maybe that comes from racing in uh, uh, over in uh, Boxwell over in there, uh, Europe there. In the Sprint Cup and in IMSA and the GTD, uh, maybe he's uh, he's he's gained that from in that Mercedes. But uh, he's been doing great in the sports car. He's been podium a lot, a few wins here and there. But he wants to be an IndyCar, bottom line, you know. And you know, him getting his chance. I mean, he he wanted this chance so bad, he got it. 
He wanted to impress. He did. I mean, you know, think about it. Uh, 22 cars start, <clears throat> six end on the lead lap. Will wins. Uh, Dixon gets taken out right at the end. But we're talking about Tristan Baltier. Uh, what's that say? And and we're not really talking bad about it. We're talking about how much he impressed us. So, I mean, I really so, think he did impress. So, Frank, if you're, if you're Dale Coyne and you're looking at Road America – uh, you know, week after next. Who are you gonna put in that car? Tristan Vautier or Gutierrez? Tristan. All right. So would I. But, yeah, because um, of all the uh, of of all the uh, of all the sports car experience that he's had over the last couple of years. You know, I mean, he's his 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 uh, road course skills have. Just got nothing but better dealing with nothing but traffic in GTD, definitely. Uh, but over in the box pond, I mean, he's dominating in that Mercedes. So, you know, he's he's learning how to, you know, race, on, you know, on proper road tracks over in Europe that we all know that are just pristine, pristine like Spa and, you know, uh, tracks like that. And he's coming over here, you know, and um, racing with IMSA and not so much pristine as over there but i mean but over here he's in gtd so he's in the lower class so he's he's playing you know uh you know eyes in the back in front of my head and he's still winning in 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 imsa and uh you know i think he's gained so much experience so that you put him in an indy car on a road course i really love to see what he can do you know and on top of that he's just got that natural oval just feel you know he's always been good on ovals i mean he, he was a 2012 rookie of the year and uh how many rookies we had that year like six <laughs> so that was a big rookie year 2012 yeah again he had similar like we talked about similarities similarities to uh uh restricted play racing was evident because you know uh what do they say about that you know the safest place to be is 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 up front exactly you know? So yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent what you just said. If yeah, he'd have been if just asked Junior, right? Yeah, Pied Piper. That's right. <laughs> if they let him, if they let him go and let him stay up near the front, he probably he wouldn't have been collected. He would have been up there with with Will Power and the rest of those guys, and uh, would yeah. would have dodged the wreck. It's just like Gray said earlier. I mean, Will Power, if if he wasn't up front the whole time, he would have got collected because Will is the most unluckiest driver in IndyCar history. So you know, <laughs> yeah, but it is good. It is good fun when he gets on the bad end, of, on the back end of some bad luck, because he has he makes some great TV when he's in a bad mood. Oh yeah, it depends if you're a huge willpower fan or not. I don't. Know. There is that. I, yeah. you, call, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you call the uh, guy. You call the guy unlucky. <laughs> unlucky with 31 wins to his credit. Who's uh, you know, but, creep, creeping up on Scott Dixon's record. Um, yeah, thirty-one um, wins when uh, yeah. I've been watching him since two thousand nine, and he should have over sixty because I've I've watched him lose win after win after win with bad timed yellows with Tim Sindrick playing weird strategies while he's in the you know uh, race with the leaders and all. I mean, and then a yellow comes out, he's stuck in the pits, he goes to the back, the race over. I've seen how many times you see it. I mean, it's almost commonplace. <laughs> you know, how many times we see it? I mean, we see it all the time. Or we used to anyway. I mean, that's why I say I'm the most unluckiest driver in the world. Even even in the beginning of this year, it's happened to him a couple of times. So, I mean, look at Phoenix. Perfect example. He's leading Phoenix, and what happens? Uh, a yellow comes out. Sato hits the wall. Uh, was it Sato? Uh, I think it was Sato. Um, 
don't quote me on that. But I think it was, but, but I mean, literally, it's a matter of 20 feet to Pit Road that Pagano goes right past him. Uh, and you see the uh, LED number on the side of uh, the roll hoop, you know, go from one to two. And that's, and that decided the fate of the entire race right there at 20 feet going into uh, pit, pit, uh, you know, pit road because a yellow uh, comes out the worst possible time for him. And that, that happens to him constantly, you know? So that's why I call him the most unluckiest driver in IndyCar history because I can't remember a dri- another driver that that happens to more times than not, you know? Where does Indy go next? As far as? Next, next schedule race. Uh, oh, uh, Road America. And uh, not this weekend, coming up, but the following weekend. It's going to be great. <laughs> Trust me, I was there last year. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, we, we, we got a test day there tomorrow, and a lot yeah. of the Indy Lice guys are going to get a little seat time in Indy cars. And, Frank, you know a little bit about who's uh, who's going to be uh, uh, testing? Yeah, so we got uh, we got Colette. Uh, we got Clayman DeMello. We got uh, Least, who uh, just won the Freedom 100 from Polo Podium. Put on a heck of a show. Coming over from, I believe, GP2, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, so uh, that's a big thing. And uh, I, I believe he brought a lot of European eyes with him uh, over to here to uh, Monroe Dandy. And, um, uh, well, one more guy, um, it's escaping me right at the moment, but uh, it's for Andretti and uh, Schmidt, uh, they'll be uh, testing with. I believe Marco's car, Ryan Hunter Ray's car, um, Hinchcliffe's, and. Uh, Rossi's car, so they'll be testing in that uh, tomorrow. Um, those four guys. So. Yep, um, you know, and see how they do. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's not a it's not a given that they're gonna. You know, it's just uh, you know they're pretty much the top of uh, top of the class right now in Indy Lights. I'm surprised um, Colton Hurt is not there. Honestly, uh, that that surprised me. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll get his, his chance some uh, at another test date some somewhere down the road. I mean, he, he was really, really strong in the beginning of the season, but he's kind of trailed off a little bit. <clears throat> but, uh, I mean, Indy yeah. Light. Yeah, I'm I mean, surprised Colton's not in an Andretti car just for just for the day. But um, So am I. Yeah, but, I, uh, you know, it is what it is. I mean, the kid's pretty good, but, uh, you know, give us some time so he's got to uh, see how his career works out. So. But, um, yeah, I mean, anyway, points leader. <laughs> points leader, yeah. But we, we we need to move on, and um, so Gray, Seth, Richard, um, brand new winner in NASCAR on hugely the popular Tricky Triangle, yeah, yeah, hugely popular win uh, took place this weekend. Uh, the the storied Wood Brothers uh, uh, were able to put the the iconic number twenty one. In victory lane for the 99th time, and uh, Ryan Young, Ryan Blaney, who we've been talking about all year, was on uh, on the verge of winning. He's run up front a lot, uh, had had mechanical gremlins over the last month or so that that have uh, kind of squashed some good runs for him. But he was able to put it all together this weekend, and uh, in really fine form. He uh, he. Passed Kyle Busch with about nine laps to go, and and held off a uh, a fast Kevin Harvick for his first win. He he, he really earned it, and uh, you know, like again, very very popular win in the garage. Uh, Ryan's uh, Ryan's very popular with uh, with the other drivers, and of course, everybody loves the Wood Brothers. Uh, 
uh, I can. They're good friends of mine. I've known them for for years and years. So I couldn't be couldn't be more happy for them. But it was a uh, it was a it was a pretty good race. Uh, if you if you just sit from the outside and look, it was kind. Of, it, it would seem like it was it was processional, and and for portions of it, it was. But the the real interesting thing was all the different strategies the teams played uh, during during the segments. Um, yeah. Where they would uh, sh- they would uh, try to short pit and uh, try to kind of get, guess where they would position themselves to uh, to be up near the front uh, when when the uh, when the uh, segments would and end. I think you're going to see a lot of that, um, you know, coming in uh, in, in Snowmer in a couple of weeks as well, because to a great extent, it's a road course with three turns. And right. you have the advantage of being able to make a, a green flag stop and not go a lap down. So I think I think if you were within, looking at some of the strategy, between about 12 and 13 seconds of the leader, you could yeah. stop and get back out and still be on the lead lap. And then because yeah. you're on the fresh tyres, you could pull away from the leader. Uh, so, would, so that uh, I would say the same thing about Indy and Watkins Glen as well. Yeah, if you're if you yeah, because they're the probably. The four tracks where you can go and not lose a lap, I think right. it's pretty unique. Apart from that, isn't it? Yeah, and you can pretty much run them, run the race backwards if, if you yeah. use that. You use that typical strategy there, and it kind of had. There was kind of portions in the race where you would, you would, if you if you just came in off the street and sat down, and you'd see a car with a fourteen or fifteen second, you know, fourteen or fifteen second lead over everybody else, but then you look back. You know, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, on back to tenth was with within a couple of seconds of one another. So yeah, it was kind of a kind of a strange strange strategy race. But it uh, Kyle Busch ended up winning the first segment. Uh, Kyle Larson ended up winning the second segment, and then of course with the way the caution fail there in the uh, in the last uh, 50 laps of the race kind of set up the uh, exciting finish uh, that we were able to enjoy and one, uh, sorry. no go sorry. ahead no that's okay I was gonna say one of the big issues that we saw there uh, this weekend was the brake issues that so many teams uh, ha- uh, had trouble with and again that goes kind of back to Kansas where we saw similar similar issues that they think in these brake packages with that lower downforce package. And also, uh, Ryan Blaney, just going back to him real quick, uh, he didn't have a radio after lap 15. Uh, communicating with his team to tell him whether it was loose or tight or this or that, it was either bang on the roof or bang on the door. Yeah, old but go- school. <laughs> but going back to uh, the brake issues, both Jimmy Johnson and Jamie McMurray had brutal wrecks Literally the same lap, same corner, they both lost their brakes. Johnson compared it to uh, the time he lost his brakes back in 2000 at Watkins Glen. He uh, yanked the car to the left, went through the grass, spun back up the track and nailed the wall, while McMurray just went straight into the wall. Uh, Johnson sat down out of the car, not because he was hurt or anything, but because of the sheer heat. Uh, McMurray eventually slowed to a stop in between one and two. The car blazed, uh, and it took several minutes for uh, crews, or at least that's what it felt like, for the fire crews to actually get to McMurray's car to put the fire out. 
McMurray had already exited the car. Exactly. Uh, at, at that time, too. Yeah. And Casey Kane also had uh, similar issues. Uh, Dale Jr., uh, he ultimately uh, fell out due to uh, uh, he missed a shift and, and it, for the second time in the weekend and, and blew another engine. But he was also experiencing uh, some uh, some brake problems. Uh, Chase Elliott had had some brake problems, too, although not as severe as some of the some of the other cars and uh, that that had it. I think Joey Logano experienced a little bit of brake trouble. Harvick in, did. Yeah, Harvick, and, Har- uh, and Harvick as well. Harvick had an issue where he did the same thing as Junior. He he shifted or he tried to shift from third to fourth and ended up going from third to second. But I think he managed to catch the clutch quick yeah, enough he did. And, yeah. and, and, and didn't do any damage. And I mean, I think this is one of the problems that these guys have a little bit is that they're so used to shifting without using a clutch. Mm-hmm. That you know, maybe there's a, they've lost a little bit of that art now in you know riding the clutch a little bit and and smoothing that gearbox out and smoothing the transition right. and and you see is one of the uh, ways of alleviating the braking issues was to lift and coast into the corners and and sometimes you're actually seeing that that was increasing lap time you know that was making mm-hmm. the cars go faster. Yeah, so, backing you know, up, sort of, backing yeah, up back the corner, the corners, yeah. lifting yeah. off, you know, three, four hundred feet early. In the same way, sometimes you see it when they're in fuel saving mode, they go quicker because mm-hmm. you're seeing less tire degradation. You see the brakes aren't overheating, um, and you know, it's, it's probably a smarter way to drive in some cases. And yeah. uh, you know, they could probably, hopefully, you know, some of these guys actually learn from it and can maybe take it forward a little bit into uh, you know their normal driving style. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's still a this new downforce package is that they are experiencing things at different tracks, and and these guys will learn quickly and and come back with a whole new uh, a new whole new plan when they return to uh, to Pocono, and and again like you know, you know when they when they would go to tracks like Kansas again, they'll 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 learn from their past mistakes for sure. I think another thing that's highlighted again at the weekend, and I think it's sort of correlated with this low downforce package. It, is the overheating issues that the drivers are experiencing. Oh. Um, you know, you saw Jimmy Johnson, you know, get out of his car and, uh, you know, he, he had to take a, take a breezer, um, yeah. you know, which after that wreck, it's, it's not a surprise. But as you say, if that was, you know, heat induced and uh, I know uh, one of the RCR drivers suffered, uh, you know, some blistering uh, uh, in his seat. Um Darrell Walls Jr. Uh, fainted after the race uh, yeah. while being interviewed, and that was because of the heat and dehydration. Apparently, yeah. all he drinks during the race is either soda or Gatorade. Yeah, well, he'll learn from that pretty quick, won't he? Uh, um, more than I likely. Would, I would have Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 Diet but, Mountain Dew or uh, Full Fat? <laughs> and two another another thing too, like 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 uh, Richard was alluding to, the the heat issue, and that's another thing. And, and, and as you know, Richard, we're work, all the teams are working on a lot of the aero stuff underneath the car, and they're yeah. sealing off the bottom of that car more and more. And it's in in the engine compartment and underneath is 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 almost heat sinking, and that heat is radiating oh, yeah. back in the to the uh, back into the driver compartment. We've also worked on other. Uh, you know, at RCR, we've been working on other uh, some new insulation uh, techniques and, and and some new in, insulation materials because because of that. 
and yeah, that's another another issue that uh, that the teams are having having to fight too as well. And you know, it's very easy for people to sort of you know you know mock these drivers a little bit when they're on multi million dollar contracts and they say, oh, you know, they get a little bit hot, poor little thing, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, they're pushing themselves to the limit at, you know, 200 miles an hour plus. And as we all know, we get dehydrated, uh, you know, our concentration starts to wane, we get headaches, you know, whatever it may be. These guys are at such, you know, an extreme of, of human endurance that... Right. You know, they yep. can put themselves in a really, really bad position and put other people in a bad position as well. You know, you you you, you forget if they have a wreck, as you saw at Kansas with, and I know it wasn't the case, but, you know, you, you see, you know, Jerry Logano have an issue which, you know, in another, in another race could be due to fatigue and, uh, you know, he, he injures another driver. Okay, not deliberately, but they've got to be very, very careful. And I think NASCAR needs to get on top of this heating issue quite quickly mm-hmm. i know that one of the rcr cars carried temperature sensors in the all-star race and it may have even carried it in the 600 as well but with it being a nighttime race it's not such an issue i mean when we get well, to indy i mean well, indy's a driver killer it really is it, it, well, why don't so, they wear cooling suits like some, do. Guys. Some, some do some of the drivers do but the, because, problem, the, uh, issue... the camaro is probably the hottest car to drive in yeah the, the, the uh, issue with the cooling yeah. suits, the issue with the cooling suits is what happens, and, and, and they they are even with the cool boxes that we use that uh, that that channel cool air for the to the driver's helmet where he can breathe cool air, which which helps keep your core temperature uh, somewhat desirable. Those things but are prone. If it's prone, hot out, it's, but they're prone to fail. Right? They are prone to failure. Yeah, I mean, we had a failure. We've, we've had failures this year with those systems, and uh, right. you know, it really does beat the driver up. And and from a from an engineering standpoint, from an electrical standpoint, you know, those air conditioning units are uh, they oh, draw a lot of power out of the car. And if we could get rid of them, we would in a heartbeat. But you know, they're one of the most critical electrical components in the car because they're so key to the driver's performance. Right, and those cool suits that that, that Frank was speaking of. You know they've been around for 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 many many years, but they they have never, to my to uh, to my understanding, and, and what what I've seen and that what I've experienced in my career, they, the reliability of them is is not that good. And a lot what happens when they fail, then they're then they're circulating hot water around the driver and makes the makes a hostile environment that much worse. Okay, I know yeah, one of that's our. True. Uh, that's true. Yep. Yeah, and I know one of the RCR drivers does use one on a reasonably regular basis when needed, and they did mention it during the TV coverage for Pocono that one of the, I think it could have been one of, was it Chase earlier? I'm not sure. One of the Hendrick drivers, I think uh, they said meant they mentioned was was using one of the cool vests. But uh, there's something that I think NASCAR needs to keep, uh, you know, keep on top of because at some point it could become a real issue for these guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because like what Stevenson uh, uh, in motorsport does. Um they, uh, you know, uh, they keep uh, a big chest of ice in uh, in the back of it, and that uh, that's what they use to uh, pump through their cool suits. Yeah. So it's always it's always cold. There's really no uh, the only way it's going to malfunction if you forgot to put the ice in there during one of the stops, and because you driver change, it's it's you got the time to do it. But yeah. Yeah. I guess during one of your guys, uh, I mean, I, I don't even know how long a stop is for 
you guys know what like is it? 12, 13 seconds, I think. That's yeah, the that's plenty of time. Yeah. You are limited. Is, Give me the uh, ice. Good. Done. Three seconds. Yeah. You are limited <laughs> as to how many guys you can have over the pit I wall. Know. So uh, they're all pretty, uh, they're pretty busy. It's not like Formula yeah. One where you can have 40, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, you, you but, can have like this ice man there. So oh, I'm an ice guy, you know. But yeah. what again? Getting back to the, getting back to That's the race. The driver though, liked the Ice Man. You know what I'm saying? It was it, <laughs> it was an extremely popular win for, for Blaney, and uh, you know uh, uh, everybody in the garage area was happy to do it. And and of course, uh, Seth Seth can talk, can tell us more about this. But uh, the Xfinity race on Saturday was won by um, was won by Brad Keselowski, and it was a pretty unique race <laughs> if you watched it on TV because. Uh, the network decided to use all drivers as their uh, as their on air crew. Uh, Kevin Harvick was the lead play by play announcer, and he had uh, uh, Clint Logano. Boyer and Joey, Joey Logano in the booth. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse was yeah, uh, doing around the color. Somewhere. Yeah, Ricky Stenhouse was, uh, and Ryan Blaney were and Eric Jones. And Eric Jones and I thought that I thought it was a, it was a fun broadcast. It really and, it was really unique. <laughs> and they also had Denny Hamlin and Dan Kirkpatrick in the Hollywood Hotel. Uh, but <laughs> overall, it was a unique broadcast. It was, according to when they announced it, it was the first ever time that the athletes of the sport were the only ones broadcasting uh, the sport itself. Uh, it was a very interesting race. It went by pretty quickly. Uh, as you said, Gray, Brad Keselowski won. Uh, he was interviewed in victory lane by Ryan Blaney, who they joked before the race had drawn the short straw to do the victory lane interview. Uh, is that like a, a bad like thing? Like, ha ha. No, it was a good, yeah. they, it was they, a good thing. It, they were, it, it was more of a joke that they were doing, but, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I don't, you know, I'm, I have so many questions I want to ask you guys about, and I'll just sound, like, totally uninformed, so I'm just trying to... But, uh, <laughs> all ask, in all, uh, uh, still, so, <laughs> whatever, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it, it, all in all, uh, Brad Keselowski said it was, quote, kind of trippy to see Ryan Blaney there interviewing him uh, when he got out of the car. But Ryan uh, did a good job. I mean, he did a good job with. He, he did. He did. He asked all the right questions, all the pertinent questions, and 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 of course they have a relationship. They're they're quasi teammates, so that was that was pretty good. And and the, and, and they shared that. You can see that coming through. But the neat thing about it was uh, when Ryan won the race, Brad turned the tables on him, and he he uh, kind of talked the. Uh, the, the Fox crew into letting him do the uh, victory lane interview, just like Ryan had done from the day before. So that was pretty unique and, and a nice way to end the weekend. I am, and, I'm sorry. Uh, you're fine. Uh, and uh, Brad also tweeted out a picture later on that night uh, to Dale Jr. saying, now he understands how Jr. fell eight years ago when Brad won at Talladega. Uh, because at that time, Brad was driving for Junior, and it was Junior who gave Brad the chance. 
Right, and at Fast the same forward. time, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad, has Brad gave Ryan the chance. Right, yep, absolutely, yep, yeah, so. sure did. One uh, one interesting thing, I think, you know, just to get your guys your thoughts on this is, obviously, with the with the chase structure and the playoff structure, you know, limited to sixteen cars and the the concept of you win and you're in. We've had so far this season what I would call four four winners who probably wouldn't get into the top 16 on point standings. It'd be there or thereabouts, but, you know, you've had uh, Ricky Stenhouse, Ryan Newman, Austin Dillon, uh, uh, and now the, the win this weekend for, for Ryan Blaney. You know, these guys, I mean, they'd probably be there or thereabouts into the top 16, but you wouldn't say they're dead certs to be the top 16. I mean, you could almost get a situation now where you look at the guys who haven't won races... You know, if a few, if Jimmy Johnson goes out and wins another three races between now and Chicago, which is more than possible, I think Chicago is the first playoff race, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is t- this year. Yeah, so you know, Jimmy Johnson can go out and win three or four races before the start of the playoffs. Uh, you know, Martin Truex Jr. can go out and win a couple more, and Brad can win a couple more. You could easily see some of these bigger name guys not getting into the playoffs. That's a good because- point. Isn't it? That's exactly a good point because we've already experienced, we've already had the tenth different winner this year already. So if we start it start it may start up at the upper echelon. It'll take multiple victories to secure your spot in in the in the and, playoffs, and then <coughs> and then it'll, it'll go it'll cycle back through guys with the remaining guys with wins in their point uh, position. Because I know Ryan Blaney is solidly in the top 16. He's what? Okay. He's, been, he's 14th or 15th right now. Now, uh, and, and Ryan Newman is right around the, the cutoff point. But guys like, uh, uh, and I think Stenhouse is safe, but uh, Austin Dillon's got some work to do. He's got to yeah. gain some ground to get back up in there in case, in case we have uh, 16 different winners. Then we've got an issue. And Kurt Busch has also been hovering just outside the top 16. Yeah. He's been like 17th or 18th uh, most of the season. But also, something else we have to keep in mind, Logano's win was encumbered. For sure. It was encumbered. That's right. That's sure. So and, and, it, it does not count for the playoffs. Yeah, right. No. Exactly. And we got Kyle Busch that doesn't have a win. Denny, Denny Hamlin that doesn't yep. have a win. So I tell you, and you ha- know Kevin the, Harvick. Hey, Kevin Harvey, that's three guys right there that you Matt, know. Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth. Right, there's four. We're waiting for him to get a win any time. You, you know, you, you wouldn't be you know beyond the realms of you know possibility. You throw somebody like AJ going out there winning Sonoma, and then right. you know another completely left field guy winning uh, you know Daytona. Mm-hmm. Uh, or know, even a weather affected race. Yeah, even. sure. Like so with Chris Buescher. Yeah, you know, winning last year, you know, so it, you, it could be a really interesting, uh, you know, but you you could have a, a situation where some of these, you know, big names don't get in. Somebody you know, gets left in. out. You're right. Yeah, and that, it's very possible. And I mean, you know, and look at it. It, it, it. It's a bad problem for the person that gets out, but it's a tremendous, tremendous thing for NASCAR. It's a good problem to have for NASCAR because it speaks to the parity, you know, in the fields. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right, let's do our picks for uh, for Michigan coming up this Mich- week. Yeah, we got Michigan coming up. Yeah, so uh, yep. Who, who wants to pick first? Frank, like you're the, you're, you're the new guy on our show. Right on, Rusty Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I 
I mean, th- that's a. Well, pretty, he doesn't that, race anymore. That's a pretty good pick, but uh, yeah, he has retired uh, for years. Oh, so, no. uh, if you would oh, like to, if you would like to do, have a second choice at a current driver, <laughs> I will yeah. give you a mulligan. Yeah, God. Okay. All right. <laughs> set, set, set. No, no, no. Seriously, no, Junior. There you go. Okay. All right. Yeah, Danica may have been a better pick there. Actually, Danica may have been a better pick. <laughs> That's Junior's last year, so I'm a... J- Junior well, needs to win one for his fans. He I needs to what? win one more for his fans. Uh, uh, speaking of Danica, she's picked up her picked up yeah. the pace here a little bit lately. The, the last several could races. be uh, could be she's looking for some... a drive next year. You never know. Yeah, well, she's auditioning. You know, so she exactly. could. Uh, she's uh, she's picked up the pace over the last few weeks and. Has 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 driven some good races and had some uh, some some a lot better finishes than she's normally been accustomed to. Not to uh, not to interrupt everybody's picks here, but very quickly, actually, just mentioning Junior. Did anybody notice in the interview that he gave, you know, after he retired, how dejected he looked? Yeah. You know, a lot of the times when the guys like retire from a race, it's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, whatever himself. You know, as if he knew he'd made a mistake and he was just and he shouldn't have made that mistake. I wonder if. Yeah, and a couple of guys have said this that we work with. I wonder if he's still really a hundred percent on his game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe there's that. You know, that, those that you know the same mistake twice in one weekend from a driver with his experience. Yeah. You wouldn't expect that. Maybe it was quite an interesting interview, and I think maybe it's a little bit telling that maybe he's just a little bit, you know, beating up on himself a little bit, and he's maybe not a hundred percent still. That's a good point because I listened well, to our radio when it, when it happened, and uh, he said, you know, there was something that just didn't feel natural to him when he was yeah. shifting, shifting, shifting the car, and nothing like he experienced last year. And Frank, you got to make a good. I mean, uh, Richard, you make a good point too that um, this may, he may know more. He knows himself better than anybody. And this may have led to the announcement that uh, we we got from him uh, uh, a month or so back when. He just—he was gonna—he was gonna hang it up at the end of the season. I think he was just pretty dejected because Pocono was a place where he had swept just like what was it, two years ago, swept both yeah. Pocono races. Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. So seventeen three years ago. Um, yeah, he was just like, yeah, he's like, he's like, man, this is a place where maybe I can, maybe I can get that one more win for the fans. Yeah. And I, I, I guess he just felt like. Dejected, you know, beat up, and but hey, man, well, oh, we, we'll we, just have to, we love Junior. See, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to see how he rebounds from this this past weekend. Yeah, no, Michigan, I, Michigan hasn't been bad for Junior either. So who's got Richard? You, you were about to say my name, but no, uh, I was gonna, yeah. no, Richard, Richard, Richard's next, and then you. <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna go. I. I, I I think he's going to be dominant. I, I really can't see anybody coming close to him. Kyle Larson. All right. Good for you. Seth, now you're next. Okay. I'm going to go with somebody that Kyle Larson just barely beat out last year, Chase Elliott. That's a good pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm going with the man that's got all the momentum right now. I'm going to pick Ryan Blaney to go back-to-back because the Wood Brothers have a history at uh, Michigan. I think they still are the winningest team of all time at Michigan, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ryan goes back to back, and I'm gonna go back to my regular pick, and I'm gonna say Brad Keselowski. It's his third win on the season at Michigan in his hometown. So, um, guys, we got a couple 
couple minutes left to talk about the Canadian Grand Prix. Um, right on. Uh, yeah. Where to start with that one? I mean, <laughs> I guess the start. <laughs> the start. I mean, that that first few I corners. Mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, well, let's talk about qualifying where, where uh, Lewis equaled um, Santa's uh, run of 65 poles and was given the helmet in, um, there in a nice, beautiful ceremony. Wait, I well, mean, what, it's... Do you, what do you thought was the real helmet? Yeah. <laughs> well, thought it was a real helmet. Yeah, we Okay, so let's talk about the race. So, uh, <laughs> so I mean, I... yeah, so Lou, Lewis led every lap again, again, and I went to White House again, and I met the Shaw. president again. Yeah, so <laughs> th- that's Formula One for you. But wow, there was this this whole nonsense with the Force India team. Yeah, that was a little bit silly, wasn't it? I mean, you, it's very difficult. You know, the, the concept of team orders. People say you shouldn't have team orders. People say you should. You know, did it, if they'd had proper team orders enforced, did it deprive, um, you know, the opportunity for somebody to challenge the, uh, you know, the, the Red Bull at the end of the race there? I, it must be very difficult. Again, it's very easy for us to sit here and, and discuss these things, but it must be very, very difficult when you're sat in a car and you're, you know, pushing yourself to, to you know, a, a physical level which none of us can even comprehend, for somebody to turn around and say, oh, just let somebody pass. And your teammate as well. It's even worse. This is the guy that you have to beat. He is your number one target. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they were on a different strategy. I think, personally, I think when you're on a different strategy, I think it's acceptable. I think when you're on the same strategy, if the guy can't get past you, then tough. But I think if you're on a completely different pit cycle or different tire strategy, then maybe that's acceptable. I can't remember the exact situation with the Force Indias uh, this week. But um, one of the craziest things that I have seen in a long time in Formula One was the Danny Kvyat penalty system. So he, he passed somebody under the virtual safety car and then I believe <laughs> either led him back through or, or I can't remember the exact penalty, but he was given... Uh, a, a, a drive-through penalty, I believe, and then the stewards turned around and said, "Ah, oh, sorry, we gave you the wrong penalty. You've now got a ten-second penalty on top of that." It it was like, well, what? You know, if the stewards are giving the wrong penalty, then the stewards should turn around and say, "Oh, yeah, we made a mistake. Just carry on." Not give him another penalty on top of it. I mean, that was. I mean, no wonder he was uh, pretty uh, colourful with some of his language on the radio there, because that was that just didn't make any sense and. You know, they have these guest stewards and all this sort of stuff. Maybe they need to go back to a permanent steward. I mean, it's it's not I like mean, the X Factor or anything, is it? I mean, it gets a bit silly. Yeah, I mean, like uh, race control in Formula One is 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 so inconsistent. Like last year, it, I don't even think they they showed up. I mean, <laughs> because if they did, Nico Rosberg would have gotten a penalty six times a race. <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't know yes. what won the championship. <laughs> really, I mean, how do you not get a penalty for? Uh, well, wasn't that when uh, the guest dude was Keki Rosberg? <laughs> well, wh- I mean, which race? Because he he did it every yes. race. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yep. I remember one specific race where uh, Hamilton goes to pass him on the outside of a right-hander and literally never turns the wheel, <laughs> no. and he doesn't get no. a penalty for it and wins the race. Like I'm just like, is this a this is a joke? Yeah. <laughs> what am I looking? There at? needs to be a better standard, and I think yeah, you know, Charlie Whiting's been doing this 
you know, the, the chief, you know, race director or whatever the, the, the exact title he has for a long, long time now. And he commands a lot of respect. But I think maybe, you know, do the need to have a, a permanent X driver in there? I know uh, on the, the British uh, TV coverage of uh, Formula One on, on the Sky TV, they have Martin Brundle, who's a, you know, because the X drive from the like, 80s and 90s, who's their expert analyst, he's fantastic on that. You know, he's really molding himself into that TV role now. And, you know, maybe they need to get, you know, an ex-driver who they can mould into, like, the the chief steward role, for want of a better word, on a, on a more permanent basis. And somebody who knows mm-hmm. what it's like to be down there and knows mm-hmm. what it's like in these cars to, to push yourself to the limit. Because sometimes you get penalties for, like, you're sneezing at the wrong time almost. It's crazy. But then you can have yep. somebody driving another guy off the road, and it's like, oh, we didn't see it. Um, yeah, I mean... I'm sorry. No, 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 carry on, carry on. No, I mean, like, and the and the biggest weirdest thing for what, like, you know, uh, me being like, uh, you know, in, uh, watching IndyCar, immediately watching Formula One is, uh, I, I, you know, uh, Formula One's allowed to, like, you know, we would call it blocking, but they're allowed to do yep. it once, and that's what screws me up so bad because I'm like, he's blocking, I'm like, oh yeah, that's illegal there, <laughs> <laughs> like, it screws me up so bad, so, um, but. But it's an art to a certain extent. When you watch it, and there's good blocking and good defensive driving, that's quite an art as well. See, um, and I, I don't know what that looks like because I just think it's blocking right away, and it's it's crap racing. But uh, well, I, apparently, it's it's not. It's it's really good racing because you're racing in those little tiny mirrors. But I don't know. I mean, um, I, uh, the biggest thing I took away from Canada was, I mean, this. I thought the start was, you know, for lack of a better word, like pretty crazy with massa oh yeah uh, just flying through uh turn uh, i guess would be three through three there yeah, three and, and, four, uh, yeah. and taking out um a few others with them um yeah and they could just not find a good uh vantage point of what really happened until like 10 minutes later and it turns out yeah. somebody punted him right from behind he had no well chance. carlos science got into roman grosjean uh, uh, and cool. got tipped into a spin and then, of course, there's there's no retardation from science's point of view, and I mean, Massa was just wrong place, wrong time, and and got just taken out. I mean, that was he was lucky. I mean, you know, a foot either side, and he could have had some. You know, he could have been in a real mess. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, science was coming up with these excuses that oh, he couldn't see in his mirror, and it's like, well, and as the point out, well, I mean, maybe you should have done something about that before. If if you say that your mirror isn't good enough or big enough to see somebody you know right on your you know to to your right hand side to your inside there then um you know maybe they need to look at how the mirrors are mounted about it yeah or Uh, or try looking at them sans yeah well yeah (laughs) yeah you've got to take a little bit of responsibility for yourself but uh i mean that move that max verstappen made at the start i mean i was just waiting i can't believe he fit that in there wow what a move wow i mean yeah, I was waiting for wings and nose cones to come flying off there because that was uh, that was pretty uh, pretty pretty uh, pretty close had, that one. He had a sheet of paper on on the front and back of him to spare. I mean, oh, boy, I couldn't yeah, believe that. that in wow, I mean, it was, was quite interesting. They uh, they had um, on the British TV coverage. They had uh, an interview. The uh, Christian Horner was on the pit wall and they were talking to him live during the race. And they said, um, "So, Christian, you know that move that Max made on the start there is that something you?" Uh, 
you discussed during the uh, you know the de- the, the, the post race brief or the pre race briefings. You know, do you discuss that sort of move? And they're like, no, that's just Max. You know, you, yeah, you well, can't you can't talk about that. You can't plan for something like that. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's Max. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because according to Alonzo, no driver talks to each other at all. <laughs> I was there in Barber when he said it. I could, you know, I thought yeah. it was hysterical. <laughs> so. Well, an- another thing that we've we've enjoyed, we've talked about it on this show uh, all season long, is how topsy turvy and how unpredictable this Formula One season has has started off, and we've had a change at the top of the constructors uh, championship. Uh, Mercedes has gone back, uh, gone back to the top, and I think if, if this, if it, the current thing keeps going like it has, we're going to see that change several times uh, throughout the course of the year. I'm, I'm not so sure on that. I yeah. think if Mercedes get in their stride, I think Baku is a circuit that will suit them with that big, long straight. Where they can really, yeah, they can, you know, and then you go from there and you go to Silverstone, which again I think is another track that's going to suit them. I think if Hamilton goes back to back and wins the next two races, which he's more than capable of doing, I think Ferrari, I think Vettel will struggle to catch them. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, you know, what are like the really high speed tracks that we have left? I mean, I know we have Monza left, right? Um, Spa will suit them. Baku, yep. Spa. I'd, I'd put. I'd put suit who? Mer- Mercedes race. or Ferrari? I think they'll suit Mercedes. See, I think I, when you. I think they suit Ferrari better. You don't think so? Uh, I think Silverstone may do with the you know the the, the high high speed corners. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think you know Baku with the long straight, uh, you know, Spa with that pretty much flat out run from um, over um, La Source all the way up through Eau Rouge and Radion oh. all the way up there. I think they'll you know they'll yeah. stretch the engine there and then on number the number one bucket Yeah, number oh. one bucket list track to, for me to go to a Spa yeah. in my life um, once in my life. And then even Suzuka as well. I think there's a lot of high speed. Tra- I, I think that I think Mercedes are starting to get into their stride. They had the hiccups at, um, you know, at Monaco, which is a unique track. You can't really read yeah. too much into that. I think. Yeah. Um, the one thing I have noticed this year is Hamilton has gotten ten times better at star uh, at, at the standing starts than he was last year. I mean, last year it's like he forgot how to take off. After the yeah. lights go out, uh, this year not so much. I haven't seen so much of that. So I don't know if he did some practicing over the off season. So I, so I taught him something, or he was doing something wrong. I don't know. Do, do you know anything about that? I mean, I, they gave us new software. Yeah, the 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 the, the launch systems in these cars now are uh, are so sophisticated that it is just a, a learning process for these guys. I mean, they've changed it. They've changed the way mm-hmm. they can tune the clutch bite points and all this sort of stuff. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Lewis took a little bit of time to get used to that last year, and maybe the the uh, controls engineers and the software engineers um, within the organization maybe hadn't, uh, you know, found the sweet spot. I know Ferrari have a, I don't want to use the word trick system for their launch control, their launch sequences. It's It's pretty... Pretty straightforward, but pretty simplistic. But it seems to work very effectively. Um, and I think that you know that those guys, you know, Mercedes are one of those t- are the team probably more than anybody else that they've got the resources that if they find a problem, they will fix it. You oh, know, definitely. You can you see with some teams that they have their Achilles heel. You know, uh, uh, they maybe have a bad track or their pit stops aren't great or the start sequences aren't great or, 
you know, something like their strategy is not great. If Mercedes fans a problem, they will fix it. You know, it's not like, a, oh, well, we're just not very good at this. We'll put all of our resources into another area and make sure that that accommodates, you know, or you know, takes it, you know, can can take up the slack that our weakness, um, you know, highlights. They they will they will cover that because they're an engineering firm for their engineering organization more than anything, and they sure. don't like having problems. They will they will fix it. So I think I think it's a bit of both. I think Lewis maybe you've picked that up, but I think also from a technical standpoint, I think they're um, you know they're um, they they progressed with that area. Uh, and do they still have the half clutch on on the steering wheel instead of the full around clutch? Uh, so they'll have you'll have. Two clutch paddles, typically, Um, and you'll have start sequences where you'll pull, I mean, again, they can be so complex, they'll maybe pull one clutch paddle till they get to 3,000 RPM, and then they'll pull the second clutch, or they'll release the second clutch paddle as they get up to 8,000 RPM or whatever it may be, and then there's a certain sequence that they'll go through. Some of the teams I know, and I don't know if this is still within the regulations, they'll actually have the drivers pull the clutch to a half position uh, and then release it, which is like what they used to do is they'd get the driver to pull the clutch pedal to a certain point and then the software would create that being, or they would create the sort of transform that into being the bite point. Whereas now the driver has to find the natural bite point of the clutch system. Whereas in the past, the driver will say, okay, this is where I want the bite point to be. And they would set that in the software. So they've changed that system a little bit. So, you know, all these little changes to the, the way the clutch works is, uh, you know, it's all key. And I think Mercedes okay. have probably got over those issues. Yeah, because I've, I've always said, like, for, like, you know, like, I look at F1, I look at IndyCar, right? I always say, you know, F1, it's like uh, car versus car. And, you know, IndyCar is driver versus driver. That's how I was always looked at. It. And it's yeah. just like F1 just seems to go more and more towards that, you know, and uh, it's almost like the driver is just another part of the car. And I mean, oh, it, it, it's almost like if you put Ocon in a, in a silver hour, is he going to be winning races? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and you're probably not that far off seeing it. But there was an interesting point, um, you know, during the race, you're listening to some of the radio for Kimmy. And he was having brake issues with the, the electronic brake by wire system. And oh he was boy. told, oh, you need to go into mode like DD46 or something. And I mean. While you're doing the, 230 yeah, or 20. Yeah, but sure. <laughs> the thing that I found fascinating was it wasn't a right, you know, you need, you know, uh, you know, the purple switch into position three and the yellow switch into position four. I mean, DD46 is not one switch. But yeah. Kimmy knows. That's a sequence, right? right? Yeah, he knows without. Is anybody having to tell him what sequence that needs to be? And that's why these guys go into the simulator and they will spend hour after hour after hour in these, you know, simulators, which are incredibly complicated machines and cost sure. tens of millions of dollars uh, to, to, to to develop and to run. I mean, they'll be. I mean, Williams. When I was there, we had four engineers whose prime job was just simulator. You worked for Williams? Yes, I was at Williams for a few years, and oh, we, wow. had, uh, we, we had we uh, had you know four simulator engineers, and they would be purely con- working on the design of the simulator and running the simulator, and guys like Valtteri yeah. Bottas would call up and say, hey, I want to go on the simulator this afternoon, and they'd go through start sequences, or you know, they could say, 
I mean, I remember there was one example. We'd just come back from Barcelona, and I think it was Valtteri, or it could have been when Pastor Maldonado was there. He couldn't get one of the corners. It just He just couldn't get the balance right. And they just spent three or four hours just going through that corner hundreds and hundreds of times trying to find the right balance. Yeah. Sure. And, it's almost uh, like a spacecraft. Tell me yeah, about I it. mean, it's like these simulators. Well, you know, it I mean, like... like yeah, because I, I was watching something on on Williams specifically, and uh, and what they do at Williams's uh, you know main base, and like yeah, they'll, they'll take the car and they'll put it through like race simulations from the uh, data from the year before or the test a couple of weeks before, mm-hmm. yeah. and and they'll put it on you know the uh, shaker table or whatever, yep. and yeah, yeah, and they'll then and, and they'll sit there and they'll fine tune everything, just a little bolt here, a little bolt there, and they'll yep. and they'll make the car go through like race after race after race after. And it's just insane how much goes into just the car. Yep. Like this, you know, the drivers go through simulators. The cars probably go through ten times more simulators before. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, every every component, every dynamic and load bearing component that you see on a Formula One car will go through a load cycle and an endurance run before it gets to a car. There's no, oh, we'll measure it. Yeah, that looks about right. It'll work. You know, they are, you know, like suspension components are load cycled. Uh, Mm -hmm. Wing elements are load cycled. Um, You know, everything goes through testing to the nth degree, far more than, you know, NASCAR. Uh, Just just because, you know, NASCAR produces far more parts. Sure, Um, sure. uh, You know, Formula One cars are pure prototypes. Yeah, I mean, and like, uh, you know how... um, I think F1's biggest problem right now is tra- um, uh, uh, transferring or, or can, like uh, the you know the viewing audience, um, basically showing the viewing audience what they're really looking at. You know, and yeah. That's why you'll see all those slow mo uh, replays before they go to commercial. It's like, you know, and everybody's like, oh, enough with the slow mo. And so it's like, no, look at what you're looking at. And yeah. that's why that uh, pick last year of uh, Nico going into turn one at Suzuka went viral because uh, that guy's taking like a thousand snapshots a second or whatever. He got the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, full G load balance all the yep. way to the one side. And, and if you didn't tell anybody, they would have thought Nico just wrecked because you know, the yeah. entire car is just twisted. But, but yeah, like, I mean, when you look at the insane. loads that go through those cars and when you look at, you know, the one thing I always love is you watching the tire deformation and how the tire sort of appears to sort of slide on the rim. And because mm-hmm. you know, the suspension mm-hmm. travel on those is, is on these cars, millimeters they measure in, not even centimeters these days. I mean, the, the, the suspension is so stiff and a lot of it's taken up by the tire, you know. So, so when you when you get these homos and you see the, it looks like the tire is just going to come flying off the rim. Uh, mm-hmm. The loading that they go through and um, it's amazing. I think it, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the amount of work that you know. Again, you know, talking about numbers of engineers. You know, I dread to think how many tire engineers Mercedes will have. I mean, I'm guessing it's ten, fifteen engineers that are purely concentrating on tires. You know. Uh, Williams probably had five to ten guys that were just purely doing tire simulation work. Do you think um, they need to take away the whole tire, the three tires, but pick two thing out of it? I don't, they need to do something. I think you need to have tires that, you know, you, you can't go to a race and have your super soft tire lasting the full race. I think they've gone far too conservative this year. Yeah. I think you need to have a situation where minimum you have two pit stops and... You've got to you know, have some tire, tire degradation. You need to have yes. something. Um, you know, do you, I don't know, you, you want to, 
I'm, ver- I'm a firm believer in what I would call pure racing. I hate the concept of manipulating the racing. I yes. hate yes. DRS. I think that's a silly rule. I think, you know, you, you see in some of the series like the DTM, I believe, and, and British Touring Cars, we have weight ballast and, and, and a success. Well, they call it success ballast. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't like those concepts, well, but you need you to have something. Don't, you know, I think less, well, less downforce and a tire that degrades for everybody and then you, you comes in yeah. strategy strategy or, and strategy and managing your tires or do you i don't know i mean i was thinking about this the other day do you have a situation where um you have eight sets of tires and you've got you know pirelli issue eight sets of tires and you've got i don't know two medium uh you know three soft and three super soft but they're not marked you know, you don't know what you're getting. Oh, random. You know, yeah. Let so, the driver react to it. So you can end up with like what, like a like like a super soft and an ultra soft, like on one side and the other, maybe. Well, no, no, no. So you keep them as sets, but okay. you could suddenly go to do your your fastest Q run, and you're on a medium tire rather than a super soft. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, for qualifying that wouldn't be right. Maybe the race, you'd so you don't quite know what you're doing. Me I, personally, I, I mean, I think. You know, Pirelli should just focus on what's the best tire that will, you know, degrade or, uh, you know, at what they want to make the racing a little better for yeah. each track and just keep it one tire. That's yeah. what I think. Honestly, no, just, just take yeah. it out. You may, they may be overcomplicating it. You know, you, you may be putting it into a situation where it's it's too difficult. Um, and, you know, you obviously don't want to get back to a situation like you saw at Silverstone a few years ago where, you know, you had what six or seven tire failures during the race because again that's you know that, that's getting quite dangerous a little you know a little bit but you you do need something just to give mm-hmm. it a bit of an edge to to change it up a little bit because it's becoming a little bit stale um, it really exactly like and it's just like the whole tire thing it's like enough i don't care i mean like does does as anybody ever watched the f1 race and like oh my god they're going ultra slow what are they doing <laughs> yeah no nobody cares you no like, it, it's it's totally inconsequential to the viewing audience you know and 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 you know the people in the stands great they get to see which one they are because they're color-coded but okay <laughs> they, they don't care either <laughs> you know? like uh, n- you know nobody's sitting there with a scoring card like all right they went ultra soft now so, you know, go, oh, new color good they're yeah. good to go now right right on you know full tank of gas whole race that you know okay up, up 2.3 seconds stop right on <laughs> like, uh, for, yeah. uh, one of my uh one of my former colleagues did come up with a, a, a suggestion it was something along the lines of you have like the race split into you know stages a bit like they're doing in nascar now but have a situation where, <coughs> excuse me, you you get po- like top ten get points for each stage, but then yeah. at the end of the fir- you know the end of the first stage, you reverse the top ten. Oh, okay, so you do something <laughs> like uh, I uh, excuse me. Now I know they don't call it V eight, but doesn't uh, whatever they call that series now in australia don't they do that oh, the, the supercars yeah the v8 supercars they used yeah. to be called yeah and british touring cars do that and a couple of the other series do it. but they do that like the british touring cars for example have three races on a weekend and they'll do that between races um right. okay. I, I don't know just something maybe to must be something out there because you have these incredible pieces of machinery you know the most technically advanced yeah <laughs> cars and, in the world you have the best drivers in the world 
Mm-hmm. And you have a two-hour parade every Sunday. Yep. Yep. You know, Maybe it's like it's the most exciting part is the start, and yep. uh, that's about it. And and is Honda going to make it? Up, up. Wait, wait. Fernando's walking through the stands. That what was brilliant. Going wasn't it? on. Yeah, he's he's yeah, lost he's, it, hasn't he? He just doesn't no, care anymore. Yeah, no, no. He's he's practicing for next year, buddy. Yep. He's doing. He's yep. yeah. Let's see, uh, St. Pete. I'll walk through the stands over here, <laughs> here, and then. Uh, yep. Uh, when we go to India, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just dreaming. <laughs> I'm well, just. Saying, I mean, I heard new car, that... Fernando, in IndyCar next year. That's gonna be. If that happens, I'm gonna be in heaven. I'll be yeah. like, oh. I mean, I I've heard. I've Fellas, heard that it's Mercedes for the McLaren <laughs> next year. I, guys, I, I, guys, I think Frank. Uh, yeah, I, I've got. I've got to remind. We are. <laughs> we are into a green, white checker, white, 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 green, white, 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 white checker. We are so far over time. We've got, we've got to end the show. I've enjoyed <laughs> uh, you, you two uh, bashing about Formula One, but um, you know we've we've got our little time slot to fill. Um, I want to thank the panel. I want to thank uh, you, Richard. I want to thank you, Frank, for coming on. I want to, uh, Seth for being here. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, Greg, because you're here with me every week. Uh, you are listening to Drafting the Circus. And um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Good night. Enjoyed it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.